Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin here with you guys. And Jessica. Hey, everybody. Hey. So we're going to be talking about covering the same amount of content in less time without burning yourself or your students out, which sounds pretty darn good. It's like a tall order. (laughs) But it sounds like heaven. Like, that sounds great. Yeah. Let's make that happen. Right? (laughs) It's all about being intentional, and that's what we're going to get into today. So I'm excited to dive into these. We actually have four tips for you. So they're really actionable. I like them. Maybe some of you are already doing them, and it's like a good reminder, but um, we firmly believe in these because we did all of them, and we were able to cover a whole ton of content with our students and still be those teachers that left when the bell rang and had you know, enjoyable weekends with our families. Yeah. And it is possible. Totally. Because one thing I want to say is I was the teacher who wasn't like that. So I remember when I first started teaching and I didn't Mm -hmm. use these strategies, I remember looking at all the standards and it was different than it was like the California standards versus the common core state standards. Sure. But I remember looking at all of them and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, how on earth am I going to cover all, not only just like cover the standards, but make sure that my students were meeting or exceeding those standards. And it was super overwhelming. But then mm-hmm. once I started doing this, I thought to myself, obviously I just didn't have, you know, the, the clear things in place that I needed to have in order to feel, oh, you can totally cover all of the standards with no, no problem. You know, it's not stressful. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to share them. But before we start, I do want to um, remind you to subscribe to the podcast. Love having new listeners. And we'd love for you to leave us a review. It's really simple. If you're on iTunes, you can just scroll down to the bottom, click leave a review. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And we love hearing from you. So just a quick reminder to subscribe and leave a review. All right, let's dive into our four tips or four things we're going to share. You want to start? Let's do it. Yeah. So number one is to really be intentional with the bell work that you give your students. So if you're not using bell work, it's also known as like do nows or seat work, whatever you call it, we call it bell ringers actually. It's using those first five or 10 minutes of class to have your students review the standards. And we're not just talking about any bell work, right? We actually had bad experiences with work like that in the past. So we ended up creating our own bell ringers that better met our students' needs. And what we found is that we really needed to focus on the standards because like Caitlin was saying, it can be overwhelming. There's a lot of ELA standards to cover. So we created bell ringers that we knew were going to meet all the standards that our students needed to cover that year. And it was a way for them to review them at the start of each class. So every day was really intentional work. It was not busy work of like today it's wacky Wednesday and let's, you know, Think of a silly vocabulary word. You know, there's a time and a place for that, but we really wanted our students to be practicing concepts that we'd already taught them earlier in the year because we knew that just introducing them to, let's say, claims one time was not enough. They needed to review it consistently throughout the year in order to master that key writing standard and a key reading standard, actually. So really being intentional with the bell work you choose to give your students is an awesome opportunity to practice all the standards that you need to cover for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I'll give you a great example because sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the standards that I think is hard to figure out, well, how on earth am I going to incorporate that into my class structure? You know, I only have 45 minutes are root words, you know, Greek and root words. 
And a lot of the times it's like, okay, well, I have a whole separate unit for that, but how am I going to spend time on that when I have to do reading and writing and vocabulary Oh, and grammar? And I also have <laughs> speaking and listening skills. And so our bell, our bell ringers include, you know, root words and students are practicing with all of these root words, you know, prefixes, suffixes, and all of that jazz for Greek and Latin root words to be able to meet at the, those particular standards and practice them for five minutes, you know, every so often throughout the year, they're going to come across um, a root word and they're going to practice with that particular that particular root. So I think that that's just a, a simple way to bring in something that I think for some of us is is daunting, but that's a small part of a standard. You know, it's not mm -hmm. a main anchor standard that we should be spending so much class time on, which I think is where we get kind of like stuck, you know, is yeah. we see this little standard, we're like, ah, oh, how am I, I going to cover that? it? But how? <laughs> and this right. is a great way to do that. Well, and I just love the idea of bell ringers in general, whichever, you know, bell work you end up using, because it's really making valuable use of your time. You're not, you know, wasting time telling students, okay, get out this page or wait, stop talking over there. It's like, everyone knows the expectations. You're able to get down to business right away. So you're really using your time effectively in class. So you are able to cover more content in a clear, streamlined way without burning out. Yeah, totally. And you're not, you know, you're not wasting 15 minutes of class time trying to get things organized. Students yeah. come in, they know exactly what they're doing. You have 45 minutes with your students. You can't spend 15 minutes getting things together before you even start your lesson. And Bell how ringers. often did we see that, Caitlin, like in classrooms that we were in? Did it drive you crazy? Like yes. I would just cringe, like, like, oh my gosh, my it hurts my heart. Yeah. <laughs> it fills me inside a little bit. <laughs> um, all right. Number two is to use the standards as your guide when you're lesson planning. So this is really interesting. You know, sometimes we'll sit down and we'll be like, okay, I'm going to bring this lesson that I saw on Pinterest or on Instagram or wherever into my classroom because it looks really cool. Well, I'm going to ask you this. What standard does it cover? What standards mm -hmm. does that cover? Does it meet any of the standards that your students actually need to be learning in your classroom? And if the answer is no, I'm going to ask you, why the heck are you going to use it? Because it's not meeting the standards. So when we sit down to lesson plan, and this is going to go into number three, which I'll let Jessica talk about in just a second. Mm -hmm. When we sit down to lesson plan and we use the standards as our guide, we're going to look and see, oh, I actually do have time to do this because I'm not going to do this other superfluous step that actually has nothing to do with what I'm supposed to be teaching to my students. And so when we sit down and we look at those common core state standards or the TEKS, or I think Virginia has their own standards and Florida maybe does too, and I think some other states as well, we sit down and we actually intentionally use those to guide us in our planning. It's going to make the world of a difference because we're going to see that excess that we shouldn't actually be doing in our class, yep. you know, and that's huge. love it. It takes a lot of pressure off of us too, you know? Oh yeah. No. And just to, I'm going to add two things there. First, if you don't have the common core app on your phone with the standards, super, super helpful in terms of planning. I've said that before on here. It's like my most used app because I do a lot of the lesson planning for EB. Your phone is and like screen time is increased by 15 yeah. last week because you spent too much time in the common core app. <laughs> I do enjoy though it is so I've been on there since like 2000 and I don't know 12 or whatever but I love that app um my next little point is EB teachers if you're listening remember if you've access to those standards checklists that we've given you oh my goodness those are your guide have them in front of you when you lesson plan and if you don't have those basically we've just printed out all the standards that you need and we've given you little boxes to say you know what date are you teaching it are your student, and then afterwards, did your students master that standard? Do you need to revisit it again? When are you going to revisit it? It just helps you be accountable for your planning. So it, it really does become that the standards are your guide. 
Yeah. And I'm just going to throw this in there. That's a bonus for our EB Teachers Club members. And we're opening an enrollment to the EB Teachers Club in June. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Love right, it. Three. Number three, this might be like our new obsession. We've been doing it forever, but we haven't really started talking about it until, I don't know, the last few months on the podcast, I feel like. And that is batch planning. So if you are not on board with batch planning, we are going to try to convince you that this is like the single most effective way to get your nights and weekends back and to be teaching the content you need to teach without becoming overwhelmed. Mm, So basically batch planning is the what of your teaching, the when you're teaching it and why you're teaching it. So it is sitting down and this is like a really brief overview. Literally this, we spend two days doing a batch planning live event with our teachers. So we could talk about this forever. I'm giving you like the brief version here, but batch planning is like, like I said, sitting down for two days or so every quarter or every semester, whenever you can do it and planning out your content for the next few months. That means knowing exactly which standards you're covering on any given unit what your into activity is going to be to hook your students, what your through activities are going to be to practice those standards, and what your beyond activity is going to be to assess your students, and then rinsing and repeating that framework over and over throughout those next few months. So again, it's chunking your lesson plannings, your lesson plans, sorry. It's being really intentional with what you teach, and that allows you to cover all the content you need to And not be thinking, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do next week. Let me go on TPT or let me go on Pinterest and find something. That's all well and good until we spend hours searching. And then we come up with a lesson that maybe doesn't meet the standards or doesn't allow our students to have that rigorous, engaging experience. And one other thing that happens when we do that, you know, if we go on TPT or Pinterest or Instagram or whatever, we find a lesson, we're like, okay, this is going to change everything and solve our problems. Right. It's like a band-aid. It's a quick fix for that one thing, but you're still going to find yourself, you know, struggling to cover everything like batch planning. I mean, it's just the key to like life. <laughs> the best. No hyperbole there. What's no the hyperbole. <laughs> and it ties in perfectly to tip number two, which is using the standards as your guide. Because when you batch plan and you have your standards checklist with you, and you can start to see, oh my gosh, I've actually covered that standard way too much. I maybe need to focus more on this one and bring this back in and spiral it, which will come into our next uh, tip as well. Um, and it just like makes everything come nicely together, so you can actually see in front of you okay, I haven't touched narrative writing in three months. I need to be teaching narrative writing again. Or you know what? I have done way too much informational text with my students. It's like overkill. They're bored of it, done with it. They're burnt out because they're over it. And that kind of ties into engagement, which was last mm-hmm. podcast episode. Um, and so it allows you to just see that, right? Because if you're in your head and you're going day to day or you're going week to week, like maybe you think you kind of know what's happening, but it's very different to actually see it on paper and in front of you of what standards are being covered and when and why um, in your classroom. So batch planning makes the world of a difference. All right. Yes. Tip number four. Are you ready for it? Yes. Are you doing it or am I doing it? Go for it. So tip number four we love, and I actually think we have some other podcast episodes about this that we can link up in the show notes, um, is all about spiraling. So this is this concept that, you know, we talked about comes from math and Jessica and I looked at each other one day and we're like, why do they spiral everything in math? You know, they always come back to subtraction and multiplication and whatever. Why aren't we doing the same thing in English and in ELA? 
you know, why aren't we constantly practicing narratives? Why aren't we constantly practicing compare and contrast, expository, descriptive, literary analysis? You know, why aren't we coming back to those skills time and time again? And that's when like a light bulb moment went off for us and we're like, well, we should, you know, I don't know why we weren't doing it in the first place. We were compartmentalizing things, narrative writing here, literary analysis here, argumentative at the end of the year and boom, boom, that's it. That doesn't help our students. And I like to think of it as compartmentalizing skills. You know, if you're an athlete, that's like practicing dribbling for a month and that's all you do. Yeah, you're gonna get really good at dribbling for that month, but if you don't practice dribbling the next month and all you're doing is practicing your jump shot, you're gonna get really good at your jump shot for that month, but you're gonna forget everything that you have with dribbling. I'll tell you right now, I haven't dribbled a basketball in like 10 years. My left hand cannot even kind of <laughs> dribble a basketball anymore, but I was the high school point guard. It's just funny, you know, you atrophy, you lose those skills. Mm -hmm. So if you're not coming back to those particular standards, that particular writing style time and time again, you're really missing out on that ability to cover more content with your students in less time. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it makes the world of a difference. Well, and hopefully as you're listening, you're seeing the connections here between these tips, right? By spiraling your curriculum, you're accounting for that when you batch plan because you're able to look at the next few months and say, okay, I'm not gonna just teach narrative writing, I'll use your example, but I'm going to plan in, you know, a two day refresher lesson or even a one period refresher lesson later in the month, because I want my students to continue practicing leads and transitions, et cetera, for narrative writing. And then again, hopefully you'll see that spiraling takes into account bell ringers, right? If you have really strong intentional bell ringers, you are naturally spiraling in those standards. So these are all important and they all kind of work together to help you cover all your content in a non-overwhelming way. You know, yes. it sounds kind of silly. Oh, well, so to review, yeah. recap the four tips we're giving you. Use intentional bell ringers to start your class period. Have your standards be your guide for lesson planning. Jump on the batch planning bandwagon and then spiral your curriculum. Yes, love it. Um, so with that being said, that's kind of the wrapping up of today's episode, but we do want to leave you with something. If you didn't get a chance to grab it on the last episode, um, we have a free detective lesson. It's a whodunit murder mystery activity. It's fantastic. We'll tell you the answer. There is no answer to the question that is on this activity. So your students are going to be driven mad about it. Like we constantly get teachers in our club telling us, please give us an answer. And there is <laughs> Um, so if you go to ebacademics.com forward slash detective lesson, you can grab that free lesson. Um, it's a wonderful resource to use in your classroom, especially kind of this time of year. Things are starting to get a little antsy. Everybody wants to go to summer, but we still want to keep our students engaged. We still want to hit on that rigor and keep them, you know, covering those standards and meeting those standards as we round out the end of the school year. So this is just a perfect activity. If you've taught any lessons this year on evidence or claims or justification or argumentative writing, this is the perfect lesson to spiral those concepts for your students. Yeah, Unlearned. love it. Um, all right, you guys, with that being said, uh, make sure to subscribe, click the subscribe button wherever you are listening to the podcast, leave us a review, and then we will see you next week for our podcast episode. Oh, that's not true. Are we gonna have a bonus episode this week? We um, this is airing on the 11th and yes, on the 13th, we have a special bonus episode coming your way. So we'll chat again. Yeah, we're spending lots of time together in May. I like it. All right. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye.